Welcome to the Mom Powerment Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids, even when they are experiencing their most challenging behaviors. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Mom Powerment Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. I am so excited to have on our episode today, Dr. Michelle Borba, author of one of my all-time favorite books, Unselfie, How to Get Your Kid to Live with Empathy in an All About Me World. After I read that book, I bought that book for my entire staff and I kept it on hand and gave it to parents throughout the year because I was like, you so have to read this book. So who is Dr. Borba? She's an educational psychologist and today's show contributor. She's spoken to over a million participants in five continents and is frequently seen on countless media outlets discussing how do we help our kids with their developmental issues. She's also a best-selling author of 24 books and her next book is being released March 2nd, and it's called Thrivers. Dr. Borba, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you are so welcome. I'm going to hire you as my new PR person. Thank you for being so darn wonderfully kind. I just, I love talking about this, and this is unbelievably uh, important right now. Well, so briefly, which might take the whole podcast, but briefly, can you share with us what happened in your work with kids that prompted and led you to publishing this book, Thrivers? Thrivers. Uh, I started out as a special education teacher way back when, and I learned more from those kids than anything I've ever read in a textbook. And I always wondered, though, despite enormous difficulties, some of them were shining a little brighter. So I happened to come across one piece of research that changed my life. It's always one researcher. She was from University of California, Davis. That's where I went to for a couple of years. The psychology professor there was a woman named Emmy Werner. What she had was the same question. Why do some kids struggle? So what she did was identify 700 kids growing up the island of Kauai and decided to study them for 40 years. Now, she got a huge team of pediatricians, social workers. They figured out who the kids were that had enormous adversity. And already, by the time they're in their teens, Emmy Warner can't realize. She's like, oh, my gosh, a third of them are growing up fine. They're caring. They're competent. They're confident. What is it? So she studies a little bit further, and she finds two commonalities that are the godsend for every teacher and parent. Number one, every one of those kids learn protective factors prior to the adversity. So they knew how to cope or they knew how to problem solve or they had some kind of a a hobby or they could rely on. And the second thing is they had a you in their life, some kind of a, a parent that was the champion who refused to give up on the child. And of course, the second most highly correlated person was the teacher. One teacher who was there and said, I will Used to give up. I'm going to be there for that child. And as a result, the child thrived. Thrivers are made, not born. And that's why I had to write Thrivers. And get this message out, right? Get the message and out. And do whatever you can. Yeah. Because 
we need this and we need it more than ever. And yeah. here are the exact research-based reasons why. Come on, people like, right? Like this is, it's too exciting. It probably that. is exploding your world. People. No more complaining. We've got work to do and we need to reset our parenting and follow what the science says. Now that said, it's not a PhD that we need. It's not a tutor. It's simple little practical things that, that researchers are saying, if you weave these in, don't stop helping them be smart in school, but weave the rest of these things in. And what you'll get to is a child who thrives, not just now, but for the rest of their lives. And that's what parenting's all about anyway, right? That's so exciting. And it gives people so much hope right now where a lot of things feel so hopeless. And we're going to get to some of your strategies in a little bit. So first, you've worked with kids for a long time, and you say you've never been more worried than you are about this current generation. Well, I think anybody these days is pretty much saying the same thing. But why is that? Well, prior to the pandemic, I stopped writing Thrivers and I finished it like in March and then the pandemic hit. So it was like a year later, it's coming out. But I had done uh, one of the most interesting things. Uh, I started interviewing kids and I interviewed 100 kids, teens, different demographics from coast to coast, an hour each on the phone. And oh my gosh, they were so extraordinary, very smart kids. But they began to be very honest and tell me that they were raised, they felt like to be more like products and they were missing the human stuff. We need the skills on how to get along. They were really worried that their relationships were tanking and they didn't have the skills to be able to cope. And every one of them said, you know, we are the most stressed out generation, you know. And so they admitted it. Then came the pandemic and a pandemic and a crisis only amplifies a pre-existing problem. That's when I knew, oh, we really do have problems because that stress level, one in five of our kids at that point was going to be diagnosed with a mental health problem. Then came the pandemic and the CDC all already is warning us that suicidology is up, depression is up. Even our little ones are more fearful and more worried because they're catching our fears and worries. This is so critical. The work and the information that you have to share, we have to find ways to share it with more and more parents, educators. Yeah. yeah. So you use the term thrivers to describe kids who have skills and abilities to do well in life. And you've touched on what makes a child a thriver. Is anything else you want to expound on that? Well, I think the interesting thing about a thriver, and of course it came from a teen who defined a thriver. <laughs> I just kept writing down everything they said because it was like, can I use that term? That's brilliant. It's just a kid, they said, who's got an I can do it kind of an attitude. And they just, they don't give up with the adversity. They got to figure out how to go over it. They just bounce themselves up and keep on going. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want. It, what I realized from Emmy Warner, and there's a number of other phenomenal researchers who are doing similar things with homeless children, kids who are facing really difficult from abuse in a home, schizophrenic parents, and are still bouncing back and making it, that they learned some skills, but it had nothing to do with IQ or temperament or you know zip code. It had to do with just the skills that they were taught that help them be able to endure and keep going. And I think the hope in your message is that it can be taught. Yeah. Because it's that growth mindset. They can learn it. Anybody can learn it. And it's the adults, I think, we have to shift our mindset of they're never going to get it. They're always going to be like that. That's how they are, right? That's where we got to stop ourselves dead in the tracks today and say, wait a second, there's a skill. 
Now, now what is it? And I know you've got ideas of how to help a parent who is super busy and how do you fit any of that in? But before we get to that, in your book, you also share seven teachable skills that set happy, healthy, high-performing kids apart. Can you share with us just one of those skills and what, how we can focus teaching our kids or practicing well, it? I have to tell you the seven because I also have to tell you the why. When I realized that this stuff is teachable and thrivers are made, not born, then I got onto a, a search as to, okay, so which traits matter most? And when I pulled them all on a desk and I started looking at them, I realized, yes, perseverance and the hanging tough and keep on going is critical. And that's one of the strengths. But I also said, if we really want parents and teachers to buy into these, they have to be skills and strengths that not only impact our children's resilience ability, but also are tied to mental health, academic performance. And what I love is that they're also tied in with employability and were recognized as a 21st century skill. So it starts out with confidence. The second one is empathy. The third one is that self-control, so you can regulate and keep the stress down. Then comes integrity, because you have to be able to know what you stand for because it's easier to make decisions. Curiosity, which is fascinating, because what I discovered about thrivers is that they're open to ideas, that they're open to people. So it's not when somebody tells them, here's an idea, they're not going to bounce it. They go, oh, okay, maybe that's a possibility. That's teachable. Then comes perseverance, and then comes optimism. Now, your big question is going to be, which one matters most? Because parents always say, which one do I start with? What I did was come up with, in the introduction, a survey that you can take of your child. It just take a moment, figure out which of these is your child's existing strength, and don't start with their weakness. Start with their strength. Because if you start with, I don't care whatever the seven are, and you start with their strength, what I also discovered is when you begin to teach the other ones, they create what's called a multiplier effect. That is, you add perseverance plus optimism, it multiplies the ability of the kid to thrive. You add integrity plus empathy, it multiplies it. Any of them added together have a multiplier effect. And that's why I don't want parents and teachers to be so overwhelmed with it all. Start with one, keep going and keep adding, because this is really just a, a birth to whenever your child leaves you kind of a framework. And that's what we're all about. And that's what parents want. Exactly. Parents want to know, am I raising a good kid? Well, half the time we're probably feeling like, oh my God, I don't yeah. even know if I have what it takes. Right. But that's anyway, that's, oh, that's, that's why you are out there. I'm out there. We're trying to get behind these moms and say, we can do this and we're going to take it one step at a time. And it's okay. And wherever you're at today, it's okay. And we're yes. going to go from here and just take that first step. And yes. I love how you say how to help your kid be curious, leave them alone. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was so many kids that said the most fascinating piece of research on the curiosity, other than the fact American kids' creativity is nosediving faster than any other country in the world. That should shatter us. But the other thing is resilient children have hobbies. Over and over again, I kept looking at Emmy Warner as to why some kids make it. And she said, they figure out what gives them joy and they go to it. For some kids, it's a book. Other kids, it's a puzzle. It could be woodworking. It could be knitting. That's what they rely on now and the rest of their lives. And the average child, this is the killer. The most talented kids we have in the U.S. quit their talent at age 13 because they don't have time to practice the talent. Because of, I got to do better on that test. I got to get yeah. into the best college in the country. I've got to have a yeah. job that makes money yeah. to make and yeah. 
So here's step one, parent. Look at your kid's schedule and free up one thing, just one thing. Ask your kid, what's the one thing that I really don't need right this moment? And if you just free up one thing, that's 30 minutes to 60 minutes a week right there alone. And then go with, for heaven's sakes, one thing that gives your kid joy or he, you know, kind of is going to, mom, I can't go to dinner right now because I really have to finish this problem. Oh my gosh, write that on an index card because that's what gives your child that confidence, that joy, and will instill the curiosity. That's what creates what's called flow because you're more likely to endure and keep on going and persist with things you are not only good at, but interested in. And so it multiplies the effect again. There goes the multiplier effect again. And that's where we, as the parent, have to also give that to ourselves. Yes. And we talk about it and we know it and we say self-care, but what's the last, what's, what's one thing you did for yourself that you enjoyed in the last week and gave yourself permission and didn't feel guilty because you weren't doing the laundry, doing the, doing the dishes, doing right. So if we, as parents learn from that exact lesson as well, and our kids see us model it, well, and then we allow it for them because we know we can't just give it to them and then they never see us do it. Right. So I love how just twofold that is. My head is hurting from nodding up and down, <laughs> just nodding with everything you said. We are so in sync. And, you know, the fascinating thing when I was writing Thrivers is I also got to just go around the world and walk into schools that were doing mind boggling things. And one of the most interesting interviews I had was with kind of an elderly reporter and she was asking me about optimism. And I said, well, I understand you were there during the Blitz in England. How did you get through it? Every night for months, the air raid sirens would go off. Bombings would go. London was attacked. How do you endure? And she said, gosh, I never even thought about it. Because as soon as the air raid sirens would go off, my grandparents would pull the black shades and we'd start playing Ring Around the Rosie, singing songs. And she said, that's I remembered. And she she went, oh my God, all of a sudden I realized that's how I endured. I watched my grandparents model hope and optimism. Wow. They were calm, so I was calm. There's the the takeaway right there. Resilient parents raise resilient kids. They're mirrors of us. Yeah. Yeah. So as an educator all day long, okay, for years, we've been discussing how kids are achieving academically, progressing in their grade and evaluating the report cards. And it's even report card season right now. And it's like, oh no, kids have been out of school, this virtual up and down, you know, inconsistent. And we're all a little bit lower than we all knew we ever were before. And you say these are not benchmarks of success. Why is that? Well, because they maybe get your kid into the college. Okay, if that's your goal, great. But do know something, mom and dad. The average child in the United States of America is most likely to drop out end of freshman year, first semester of college. We have one-third of our kids dropping out at that point. And one of the biggest reasons, this was interviewing 2,500 college counselors from Ivy League universities. I said, what's going on? They said, they are the best and the brightest we have ever seen. There's 4.0s or 7.3s but they don't have the skills to be able to handle life. They get frustrated with one problem and they're ready to give up. And the most, this is prior to the pandemic. They also said the most disturbing thing that they saw, this was UCLA. UCLA said they don't have the skills to be able to have caring relationships. We're seeing a new trend that majority of them are now putting tags on their doors saying they don't want roommates. 
And I, I would, it hurts so bad. They said, they're the ones who said they're running on empty. So yeah, the grade and learning is important. We want deeper thinkers, but we want also kids who can think outside the box, who can also find their sense of purpose. Bill Damon said the same thing from Stanford. He said the most disturbing thing he's seeing at Stanford is only 20% of kids when they come in have a sense of purpose, know what drives them, know what their interests are. There's some very disturbing things. We are raising very smart children. And we, we as parents say, uh, you know, oh, I don't, you know, I'm trying to protect my kid from this, or we don't even yeah. say that out loud. We just naturally and subconsciously do things for them. And well, I got to make it better for them and they got to have it better than I. So, so it's that thing that I know you mentioned in your book over parenting. And it's, it's like, it, it's such a delicate topic and subject, but if kids aren't struggling on their own, I know you speak to that. I do, because that's a whole chapter in perseverance. And, and it's clear what I wanted to do was follow only the science. You and I would say, that's not good. But what does the science say after looking at thousands and thousands of kids? And they clearly said, if you want to thrive your mom and dad, start stepping back. Start stepping back. As what, hard what, as that is in moments. Yeah. This is yeah. so, this is one of those steps, that small step. We got to practice, practice, well, practice because it doesn't feel love, comfortable. And we love our kids desperately. It isn't because we don't love them. Exactly. We got to go one step more and go, but what's that look like in the big picture? And maybe it's a moment to stop and pause and say, I'm going to fast forward and see my child at age 40. What are the traits I want to see in my child at age 40? And usually at age 40, it's not going to be the GPA. It's a thriving child who's got that sense of, Ooh, I can do it. I can thrive. Uh, and they're feeling successful about themselves. And they'll That's be able to face it when they do lose their job or they're going to face it when there is something going on out of their control, because well, those are the muscles you practice and learn at that young age when you actually have to struggle and stumble through something to yeah, build that I, character. I was interviewing some fabulously interesting headmasters who were concerned about this same mm-hmm same little topic. And they said the disturbing thing that they were seeing prior to the pandemic was parents trying to curate adversity. They would deliberately, you know, leave the lunch pail just in case, what is he going to do? But the thing about that, even though we have good intentions again, is that unless it's in the heat of the moment of the real experience, that child, after a while, they're smart. They figure out what we're doing. What we've got to do is teach them the skills so they can handle the adversity. They do know there's no problem so great that can't be solved. We help them. One of the things in the book is called how to spark your brain and get them get them moving, teaching brainstorming to kids that don't give them the answer, but say, hey, that's a good problem. Let's figure out what are some other options. And then teach your child to start brainstorming them. Just spark your brain. Say whatever thing comes to you. Just keep saying it in rapid fire as fast as you can, because that helps spur on the curiosity. Yeah, it may not be a good idea, but don't judge your idea. And let's just do it for 60 seconds. And then, boop, okay, now let's figure out from all the ideas, which one do you like best? If you don't judge, what you're doing is you're giving your child this wonderful, wonderful tool. Hey, mom, I got options in my head. Yes, dear, you do. Now, which one are you going to choose? I love that. And so uh, I tend to say a lot, kids are so resilient. And especially with this virtual remote, some kids are in person. And now we shut the school down and we're home for four weeks or we had a change in teacher. And it's like, this is the worst thing ever. We think 
it is it is like damaging to our kids. And in the back of my mind, I, I, I end up leaning to the kids are so resilient. And so help help us with that. Uh, I think, first of all, we underrate our kids. Most of them, if we look at, are going to do fine. But the big question that many parents say is, which kids should I worry about? Because I've got three kids. They're as different as night and day. They come in little different sets, and they do have genetic codes. It's not that we're trying to change the genetics. We're trying to make sure that they can handle life. So what the CDC is warning us about are three things. The first of all is the proximity. If your child really has endured some very strong stress, he's watching the financial destitute of, you know, going on your, you've just lost your home or dad just lost his job or grandma is ill or someone has died. That, that is going to be clearly a problem, but that protective factors, does the child have the buffers or does he know how to cope? Fascinating is hobbies, prayer. For many of the kids, it was Praying, praying is what Emmy Warner said. Spirituality is going down in our country right now. It doesn't mean that you have to all of a sudden build up religion if that's not your your benchmark in your own home. But what's your kid going to go to? And then finally is that they had prior existing problems. You knew that he was stressed before the pandemic. Then probably he's going to be more stressed now. That's when you get some help. Uh, And if you're seeing the two worry factor, if you're seeing your child is getting too different from his normal and it's lasting too long and it's spilling over too many areas and your red flag inside your head is going, something is too different, then pick up the phone and get help because that means your child probably is needing some help and there's great, great uh, avenues out there that will help us. Yeah. So talking about kids thriving potential. Yes. What do you recommend we start doing or maybe one thing we stop doing to help us really get to the thriving potential of our kids? I think you you nailed something way back when that I think it starts with us. And maybe the first thing we do right now is don't go trying to figure out what am I going to do right this minute with my child, but take a serious moment and say, why does this matter to me? How do I want my child to come out? Is thriving something that my child does need? And I can't imagine a parent not saying, yes, it's critical. Then pass it on to another person who cares desperately about your children. We're so lonely as parents these days. Reach out to somebody. Grandma, she's going to support you. Maybe it's another parent who's on the same plane with you. I'm starting some fabulous book discussion groups. In the state of California, a thousand people just signed up for the book club. We're doing an ongoing for every week, we're going to do two more chapters. And it was like with an instant, they chimed in. I'll be happy to do book clubs with you. But the reason I love book clubs, it means you're talking to somebody else about this. So you realize, wow, maybe there are things in our own community that we've overlooked. Maybe we can start sharing those fabulous books about resilience and talking about them with our kids. And when I get done reading it with my child, I'll pass it on to you. Maybe there's some service opportunities that we can do because that's going to build up empathy. I didn't realize that the there's a downtown um, giving tree that my child can go to. Thank you for telling me. Yes. I think we need to connect with one another. And then what will happen is we'll multiply it and we'll start raising a strong generation of thrivers together. Yeah. And it's never been a time more like now. Yeah, exactly. And so pre-COVID anxiety was on the rise. Mental health issues were on the rise. And how do we help our kids cope with anxiety and feeling less anxious? Number one is 
take a breath yourself because we do know that fears are caught and they're spilling over to our kids. Number two is the chapter, uh, I would say right now, if you were to look at thrivers, go immediately to chapter seven. The whole thing's on optimism because what we're seeing is pessimism rising in our kids and rightly so. Even our younger ones, COVID told us and warned us, our younger kids are a little more fearsome and worrisome. Our, Our elementary kids are a little more stressed. Our middle school kids are a little more anxious and our high school kids are a little more depressed. But University of Pennsylvania said optimism is teachable. Number two, chunk the fear so it doesn't become permanent. I'm going to die from this COVID, I hear in kids say. Well, let's prove that that isn't that you won't. So right now, today, chunking the fear means let's open the window. Okay, next day, let's open the door. Oh, put your foot out the door. Next day, let's go to the mailbox. Take any fear, just like when our kids were scared to death of the water. You didn't throw them in the deep end. You said, put your toe in that side and then you just chunk it. That's one idea you can do. Take any fear and chunk it. The second thing, I learned these from Navy SEALs while I was working on army bases. And the commander said, you got to go talk to the Navy SEALs about this stuff before you go teaching the teachers. They're doing some of the most mind boggling stuff and it's rewiring their brains. Navy SEALs said, teach the kids to chunk the fear. Navy SEALs said, teach the kids some kind of a statement that they can use inside their head. Like the moment we feel our stress start to rise, and that would be another thing that I would hope you teach your child, maybe in the next two, three weeks, point out to each child and yourself and your partner what your stress sign looks like before it mounts. For some kids, it's, oh, I see you getting a little bit stressed because your hands are in a fist. Or, oh, you look a little flustered because your cheeks are starting to go back and forth. Or you're grinding your teeth. Or ask your kid what your sign is. You're doing that weird thing with your eyes, mom. (laughs) Our kids know ours. They don't know theirs. But if you can help your children start to figure out their stress signs, then, says Navy SEALs, you immediately tell the child to say, some kind of an upbeat statement inside their head. They said, I know it sounds soft and fluffy, but it actually works if you say the same thing over and over again, like, I got this, I'll get through it, it's gonna be okay. And the fastest way to teach that, here's your simple thing you can do for the next two weeks in your home. Come up with one statement and you start saying it out loud to yourself. I got this, oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated, but I got this, I got this. If you keep saying it, What happens is pretty soon your voice becomes your kid's voice and it goes right straight through them. And pretty soon, oh my gosh, that's the parenting moment. Your child will say, don't worry, I got this because they're saying it inside their head and the rest of their life, they'll be saying, I got this. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. They're simple little things. Navy SEALs also told me the best thing they do, they feel the stress, they say, I got this. And then they say, they take a one, two breath. Mindfulness is critical. We know that. You know this. But they said you're teaching your kids the wrong way. It's got to be slow, deep, like you're riding up an escalator. Tell them. And then hold it. And then the key is you slowly. I'm so relaxed right now. (laughs) You slowly let it out. But your exhale always must be twice as long as your inhale. Now, it never works the first time. But if you keep teaching one, two breath, a few seconds each day, your child will be able to do it without you. For a child who breathes too deeply and too quickly, and they will, you can put a feather on the table and say, 
Blow the feather. Oh, don't, don't, don't let it bounce. It's got to be slow, you see? Little ones, bubble blowers. Blow your worry away. Blow it real slow. Make it go real far, but real slow. And they'll get the feel of what a one-two breath feels like. Those are kinds of strategies we can teach one by one. Uh, Thrivers has dozens of ideas. Don't you dare do them all or your kid will never let you read another book. But choose one at a time until it becomes a family ritual and a practice that add the other and another. And that's how we're going to raise up our kids to thrive. And I know that you speak to the fact that we're all busy doing a million and one things, rushing faster than we ever have, but you have ideas of how maybe parents listen to this and goes, that is so great and all, but I have no idea how I'm going to fit any of that in. Is there just something you might want to leave us with in that area? I know you have some ideas. Well, notice that one, two breath took me 10 seconds to teach you. So instead of us trying to overwhelm ourselves, which we all are, and that's why we're burned out. Instead, choose one thing, put it on um, just a post-it and put it on your mirror or here's the best thing. Just ask your most verbal kid to be your reminder all day long. Mom, remember, we're supposed to be doing that one, two breath. And you'll find little ways throughout the day to do it. Some parents figure out that it's better to actually do it at certain times. Schedules and routines and rituals reduce our anxiety because it's something we expect. So maybe it's every three hours, eight o'clock, 11 o'clock, two o'clock, and it's just stop and take a one, two breath. Okay, good. Now go back to what you were doing. Oh, I'm so glad we did that because I really needed it. Don't put it on your one child who has the stress problem. Better to do it as a whole family together because kids actually learn better by seeing it than you telling them. So show, don't tell. And keep doing it. Well, Dr. Borba, thank you so much for this incredible information that is extremely invaluable. Like, I just want to like share it with the world <laughs> and do anything to help more and more of our parents because you know it's just helping more and more of our kids, and and they need it. They need us. They need it more than ever. And um, I, I I hope that um, I can do anything to help advertise your book, to put it in more people's hands, just to give them more and more strategies to help them along the way. So thank you. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for putting all of your life's work into this to just give back to others. And for all those who are out there that, you know, you never know the effect you have. And sometimes you never end up knowing. And just on behalf of them, I just want to say thank you today. Oh, we're so welcome. We've got this. We're just going to be strong together. We will do it. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Mom Powerment Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to help you live a happier, healthier life with your kids. Click subscribe today, and we can't wait to have you join us on our next episode. Thanks again. And remember, don't worry, be happy. Hey there, it's Karin. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course on first steps to mom empowerment. Go to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy life and healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com 
forward slash free video and grab your free gift today.